Hello and welcome to Woman Up, the podcast series from Desperate Art Wives. I'm Susan Merrick and today we're talking to the amazing Hibbo Wardair. Hibbo is an FGM survivor, a brave and passionate activist and campaigner and the author of the book Cut. Welcome Hibbo. Thank you very much for having me. I'm so privileged to be talking to you today. Ah, well, we definitely feel the same, Hibbo. Um, we, Amy and I have um, heard about FGM. We have looked into it ourselves over the last few years, but still pretty ignorant, to be honest, uh, until fairly recently. Um, as you point out in your book, uh, the majority of the British public. Um, so thank you very much for coming in today. Um, please, could you share a little bit about yourself and about the campaign? Yes, um, I'm a, I'm a, how do I call this myself? Yeah, I'm, I'm known as a Gopi Shite nowadays <laughs> because of the way I talk a lot. Yes, the campaign has been amazing and um, I think uh, the British public is actually coming around in terms of FGM. You are getting involved yourself, uh, you know, media is getting involved, everyone is getting involved and that has come, for, you know, for a long, long time coming. There was times where we were discussing FGM and we will go to Westminster and we were hashed in a room. You, everything was hush hush don't talk too much and I'm like why why are we whispering yeah we're talking about vagina so don't say it out loud <laughs> so we have come very far where you know eight o'clock in the morning Lorraine Kelly we're talking about that but it has been a very very hard work in terms of getting where we are I work a lot on FGM uh, it's it's my life it's uh, it's not a job to me or anything like that it's much more than that it's a personal uh, for me it's uh, it has affected me in so many ways, so this is the only way I know how to fight back is by talking about it and becoming a gobbishite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, mother. I'm a mother of seven. And uh, yes, when I say seven, everybody goes, what? Yes, I love humanity. So I did a good job for humanity. Uh, very busy mom and a very full house, uh, a supportive, supportive family. Everyone in my house is just amazing. I am very lucky. Very, very lucky mum, wife, friend, all. So for those listeners who um, may not have heard of you before, may not have heard about your book, um, would you mind sharing a little bit about um, your personal background that brought you to be campaigning um, as an, an anti-FGM campaigner? Yes. Um, I'm originally from Somalia, and I came to UK at age of 18. Uh, I came with baggage. Not only was I a refugee, but um, I was mutilated at the age of six. So I had a lot of issues going on at that moment, uh, psychologically, emotionally, physically, mentally, you name it. And um, I didn't talk about it, uh, what happened to me for such a long time. I would say over three decades, I didn't talk about it. I just kept it quiet. And when it was the right time to talk about it, I did. And what happened to me was... Um, uh, as a Somali a woman, this is part of the culture where almost my age group, almost 100% of the women were mutilated. And not only are we mutilated, it's the type that they use for us, Somali people, is the cruelest of them all. It's called infibulation, where they remove your clitoris, your uh, vagina lips, in and outer labia minora, labia majoris removed, and whatever skin is left is stitched up. Now, when I was mutilated in my days, there was no such thing as anesthesia or anything like that. You were held down by the people that you loved and trusted most, and... Um, literally butchered that is how I put it uh, as a six-year-old I, I what I saw that day no child in this world should ever 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 go through that or 
exposed to that kind of, uh, you know, horror, um, seeing your own blood, seeing your flesh, screaming, asking for help, and every adult that you trusted um, is around you, and uh, ignoring you was the the worst part that I still, even today, I struggle with that part of how can you ignore a child who is, you know, screaming with pain? How can you just stand there and think, I have to do it because it's, it's part of uh, my culture. I don't know how anyone can do that because I'm a mom. I couldn't do that to my daughters at all. I couldn't, not in a million years, especially knowing the pain of what it involved and how it has affected me I couldn't I couldn't dream that for my child so for me it's very personal and uh, I want to use that and uh, fight it fight it and for me talking and sharing it's the way to really really fight back and not hold back and say it how it was so for me I come from that side of FGM is using what happened to me as an educational tool. Yeah. Thank you, Hibbo. Yeah. Um, hearing about FGM and reading about FGM, um, I, I, as someone who knows nothing about it, but I imagine also for those who have gone through it and who do know about it, yeah. is, uh, is an incredibly difficult thing, um, also an incredibly brave thing, um, for people to talk about and and as you say in the book uh, a real necessity yeah. a real need for this acknowledgement of what it is and what happens yeah. um at the time but also to the women later on who this happens to yeah. Yeah. um so could you say a bit about how um how this affects families um either from your own personal experience or from other families that you've met yeah, it does affect families and you know the, the communities we come from we are not good at expressing emotions we're not good at talking about what we really feel especially the women who are mutilated and uh, for me it just it just I, I look at them and they're the most amazing women they're raising families they're doing great job in that they are so lovely but what they carry it could kill anyone. And I mean, the emotions and the psychological effects they carry is amazing. And then you have your physicality, which is there constantly. You can't escape even one minute because your physicality reminds you of what was done to you. Forget about your emotional side and all those things. So for me, it affects families a lot because you look at your parents and you think, I love you very much. You're my mother. I love you so much. But then you have this, why did you do this to me? You knew it. How did you? So your pure love for your parents—it's savored. It's—it's it's completely savored, and um, you can't. It's like hundred percent. Sometimes you can't get that back unless you really are somebody who's got you know built it so strongly, and you decide to forgive, like I did. It's hard to get to, to, to pass that, and it can actually affect if you're married, it can affect your marriage, it can affect you to have a sexual dysfunction, which is marriage is the biggest part of you being intimate with your partner and enjoying that part. It can hinder that quite a lot, and we have seen many women who end up with mental health problems because of that. They feel they're not fulfilling their duty as a wife, and my question to them was, what about you? Where are you? Why are you not acknowledging you? It's devastating when a woman over 40 sits in front of you and tells you, what is a sexual pleasure? Is, am I supposed to feel that? 
that is heartbreaking. And this is a women who have undergone FGM that goes through that. It's not all of them, but some of them are. And so for me, some of the family members don't like that I didn't cut my daughters. That creates a lot of problem. And in, in general, the community itself, the backlash that you get sometimes, it can be quite, quite damaging to you if you are not that person who have an amazing supportive network. It can actually break you, how you are seen as a traitor, westernized, or money-making machine, or stuff like that. They don't see that you are talking about personal problem. They see it as if you are turning against community. So it does affect every aspect of life. Wow. Do you find that um, that, that um, some of the negative attitudes uh, yeah. within um, the Somalian community and also within the British community can yeah. still um, is still ongoing? It is still ongoing. It is a battle. You get sometimes. I'm a, I'm, I love Twitter, so I talk quite a lot on Twitter, and I'm not filtered when I'm talking on Twitter. I will share what I'm feeling that day, and you get some people telling you, "Yeah, you should all be deported from this country. You don't belong here. Those kind of things don't happen here." And I tell them, actually, there's worse than things that happen here. You just don't want to label it as deport those people because you identify with these people they either your colour or your religion or whatever you you you're certain in. So for me I get that and I get uh, the community aspect of it which tells me all the time how I am traitor and this and that, how I'm a cruel mum for not cutting my daughters. So there's always that and uh, it's an ongoing battle that every day I have to defend uh, uh, my own trauma really I am defending my own trauma sometimes to people and telling them I have a right to talk about this something that happened to me do you want me to not talk about it because it makes you feel uncomfortable or you don't want to hear it or because it doesn't happen in your community you feel it's not my business you need to stop it is your business if one human is suffering it should affect you it doesn't matter what color race or religion you are from well, from um, a woman, a mother uh, with a daughter, yeah. um, from a community where this may be happening and a country where this is happening, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I suppose the last area I would really like to talk to you about, Hiba, is, um, is what are you doing um, with regard to the campaign in your local communities yeah. and, and nationally and internationally now? And how can anyone listening... Um, learn more and support the campaign more? I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a, f a very, very busy, fierce campaigner. I'm traveling around the UK. I'm delivering lectures in university. I'm teaching students in primary school, secondary school. I'm delivering training to everywhere. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm everywhere. And the one thing I want people to know is, please, please do not say... This doesn't affect me. I don't want to know about it. I'm not going to get involved. It's not my community. It's not. It's got nothing. We have one community in this world, if you're willing to look at, and that is a humanity community. As long as you belong in that, you have every right to know what's going on. And it's not going on in Africa alone. It's going on your doorstep here, whether you like it or not. British-born kids, British-born kids are being cut. So why is that not affecting you? Why is that making you feel, I can't get involved? You can. All it takes is you being bold and brave person and say, actually, I want to know, and I want to know how I can help this. What can I bring? A lot of people ask me, some of my friends say, oh, I'm white. What can I bring into it? Your humanity. You can bring in your humanity. That's the most important. Not your color, not your race, not your religion. No. 
FGM just have one face. It's a child abuse. And child abuse is an universally need to be tackled by all. So for me, please, please get involved. Ask questions. You know, read about it. Go to your local school if you're a parent. Find out if your teachers have been trained on this. You know, if you have a student, you know, kids in university, ask them if they know about this. If they, you know, it, we can all do part. We can all play part. Whatever setting you're in, you can play part in that. So please get involved. In terms of awareness, Hibo, um, in your book you mention um, that you've gone into schools, you've spoken to teachers, um, you've spoken to social workers, you've spoken to children. Uh, I'm really interested in this. I I think um, awareness in children themselves um, for so many issues is really important and and valid. So I'd love to know more about um, how you've been involved in that and the um, response you've had. Oh my goodness, even yesterday I was teaching year nines, 180 of them. Wow. It is the most, this is the part of the job that I absolutely love, is standing in front of kids, giving them one hour presentation on FGM, and then they ask you that question, have you undergone FGM? And I always be very honest with them, and I will say yes. The minute I say yes, that's a game changer. They want to know every little details. What was it like for me and everything? Education is so important for our young people. And there's many girls who actually was at one cut because of the education they got through the school. When the parents said it's a little cut, they said, no, it's not. It will affect me this and this and this and that. And actually, mom, you can go to jail as well. Did you know that? So when we are educating our young people, we are actually educating their families too. You know, without without family realizing they are getting educated by their own parents. One of the best part of uh, educating young people was getting an email from an emotionally challenged email. I think that email will be my lifeline for life. I went to a school, and in that morning, uh, a boy in year 13 uh, is from Somalia, and he was argumentative that it doesn't happen in our community. He's never heard of it. Why are you saying this? And I said to him, go home and talk to your parents. And in that evening, I got an email from him telling me I was arguing with you this morning. FGM was statistics on the computer, numbers, but I don't know what to do with my emotions. I just found out my mum has undergone FGM. I'm angry. I'm emotional. I had to go back to school the next day to talk to him. So for me, it's opening that vital, vital conversation between parents and, and their kids, which they will never have opened if he didn't get that information. So education is so important, whether we're educating the professionals, the policymakers, the teachers. But for me, the number one priority is start teaching the kids from the school. Teach them about FDM. We already are teaching them about everything else. It's no difference. Yeah. That's so important, Hibo. And you touch on there when you're talking about um, a male student who yes. who um, has responded so emotionally yeah. to it. And that's that's a really important point because, again, in, in the, your book, you talk about the fact that in, in British communities and in uh, communities around the world, actually, it, it's not only the women that... Um, that we need to reach, yes. but it's um, the, the men in the cultures as well, yes. the men in the communities who maybe don't know about FGM or don't know very much about it and don't have an understanding, yeah. and that by giving that education to men as well, it, it's opening doors for, for change. It is. I think male play a huge part. If we want to end FGM, they have to be part of the conversation. And what I found out with my own uh, community is... Men are aware of two things. 
one, how it affects women in terms of how it affects women. They are aware that when they're intimate or when they're having sex with their women, they know the women don't enjoy sex. They know that. They also know when she's giving birth, she, she suffers quite a lot because of FGM. They do understand those two things. But the other things that they don't understand is how this woman is depressed because we don't know the word depression does not exist in our communities. Women just feel like just prolong, it doesn't matter. And when they explain to you the symptoms they have, that is depression, but they don't recognize it. So for men, they, especially our communities, especially most of the communities that practice FGM, they find it hard to talk about this. Why? Because it's a women body parts. We do not talk about women body parts. We use them. Men use them. Yeah. Babies come from, you know, women's body parts. But when it comes to discussing it, we don't want to do that because they feel this is an issue that is um, beneath them or embarrassing issue. So for me, it's all about educating them. It's all about reaching out to them. It's all about making them understand it's actually much more than intimacy and giving birth. And of course, some of the women will die because of that in developing countries. We have a high death in maternal death in developing countries. But why would you want those two for your own daughter? Because if you say, don't cut my daughter, she will never cut your daughter. You have that power. So men have a power over their wives in our communities. What he says goes in that house. So he needs to be, you know, conf you know, his, co his, conf his confidence needs to be boosted when in terms of talking about issues that they deem to be... Uh, women issue and I tell them it's not women issue it's a humanity issue you need to look at it that way and parental responsibility plays there as well you know your daughter she's going to grow up and if she's being cut you know what awaits her and that's a cruel thing to know what awaits her so you need to be you know vocal and man up and start you know saying no to FGM so they play a huge part and education is a way to, to, to reach them thank you Hibbo yeah in my local school, one last question. In yeah. my local school, if I wanted to um, encourage them to yeah. ensure their staff have FGM training if they don't already yeah. um, and to go about introducing it into the sex education yeah. perhaps of the school, how, how do I go about that? Talk to the head teachers. And if the head teacher is not agreeing with you, talk to the governors. Governors have a power to make the head teachers stop and listen. And the other thing that is playing hugely for the school is Ofsted. Ofsted comes to the school now and they will ask, have you trained your teachers on FGM? If the school says no, it's their first failure, actually. So I used to hate Ofsted when I was working school. <laughs> now I'm in love with them. <laughs> They're part of us. So yes, Ofsted is a major part in driving this home okay. and it's so easy to combine you know uh, you know uh, FGM with the uh, sex education it's so easy to combine that's what we did yesterday in a school all day yeah. I was teaching about that so schools shouldn't be afraid They're, it's the head teachers who are sometimes a bit apprehensive and thinking oh it's a hard subject but you will be amazed how your students react to yeah. that really react but if a head teacher doesn't want to do this or budget this you can always talk to the governors I would say that. Yeah. Yeah. And do you speak in just secondary schools or have you been into schools with younger children as no, well? No, I've been to primary schools as well. Okay. And the primary school is the most beautiful part. I did a year four, five and six. And what I used was uh, an animation called the Needlecraft. And this is a, a, crocheted, a crocheted doll which talks about her family. I live with my mom, my dad, and all of a sudden something, somebody's picking her up and they're chopping her nose, tip of her nose up and a tip of her ear off. And then you see somebody crocheting that again. 
And then I leave it to the primary school and I say, what did you see and how they figure it out things on their own without me saying a word? It's just mind boggling. So please do not underestimate the kids. The power of their understanding is amazing. And they were asking me questions like, Miss, she was perfect. Why did they have to cut her nose off? Why did they have to cut her ear off? And I was telling them, yes, what else do you think they can cut off? And it got, they start to name body parts themselves. And they would say, why? Our body is beautiful. Exactly. We need to make them body confidence. And to, for us to do that, we have to educate them. Every single part of your body has a function and it's beautiful and it's sacred and it belongs to you. And nobody should do anything to it unless it's, you know, medical reasons. So for me, that uh, I use that for primary schools and it's amazing and I love that part of my job if I could do it for full time I would really would yeah um thank you Hibawada for an amazing conversation um and I hope that um all our listeners will go out and buy your book and start um looking at how in their local communities they can spot the changes that they can make, spot the um, uh, communities they can be involved in. Yes. Um, hopefully we'll have some teachers listening who can... Definitely. It's just, uh, don't, don't be afraid. And I sometimes say, what makes you, you know, frightened a bit sometimes? Get into it because it's a good way. It's the reason why you're frightened. You figure it out why. And just be brave and, you know, get involved. You'd be surprised on how the communities are open when somebody really genuinely takes a real interest and in wanting to know their way of life and what are their traditions and everything else. So please don't be afraid to get involved. Just get involved. Thank you for listening. This was Woman Up, a podcast series by Desperate Art Wives. <laughs>